Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. We're doing a study on the uh, Book of Romans um, on Sunday morning. Uh, so far, we have uh, looked at the introductory comments that uh, Paul made. Had a lot of important stuff there. And uh, last week, we jumped into the first main section. There are kind of like five main sections, five main themes in the book of Romans. And the first one is the theme of sin. And uh, that's where we uh, started uh, last week. Uh, we started looking at how um, all of mankind... We are accountable to God because of our conscience and because of creation. We can look and see there must be a God. Uh, and Paul tells us in chapter 1, we're accountable before God because of that. Uh, God put something in us and our very awareness to let us know uh, that there must be a God. And if you will honestly look at creation and the order and the design of creation, you have to come away with a conclusion that there is a God. So that meant all of mankind is accountable. Uh, Today we're taking kind of the the next step. Uh, We looked at condemnation last week, but we're going to look at classification. And by that, um, here's what I mean. Sometimes we classify ourselves. Uh, We view ourselves in a certain way, and we think because of the way we classify ourselves that that means God will be uh, give us favoritism in our direction. And uh, instead, the Bible really tells us that God is impartial. So that's kind of where we're going. Uh, the, re- the reason uh, for this topic of classification is, uh, is this. And uh, let me just jump the, the next slide, uh, next couple of slides, I think. Yep, just go ahead and jump that one too uh, on it. But as we look at, uh, at chapter 2 today in Romans 1 through 29, the, the main reason I'm using this title of classification is this. Paul had written saying all of mankind's big sinners, more or less in chapter, at the end of chapter 1. Now, as he starts chapter 2, he turns and he looks at a very religious person, such as the Jew, and he tells that religious person, guess what? You're a sinner also. Uh, look at, at the scenario that probably was taking place. As, as Paul was writing about how bad the human race is, how the human race wanted to suppress God's truth, uh, how the Gentiles had wanted to ignore God and not respond to God. Instead, they wanted to, instead of acknowledging God, the Gentiles wanted to rebel against God and had all these sins that Paul listed there at the end of chapter 1. So as that was taking place, you, you've got to factor in kind of the mind of a self-righteous person or a religious person like the Jews. They would probably have been thinking, Amen, Paul, you tell those stinking Gentiles how bad they are, you know? Because that's just the way kind of the, the Jews view themselves, classify themselves as special, as God's people, and, and they kind of looked at the Gentiles as being dogs, you know, more or less. So now, as they would have been agreeing with Paul, as Paul's writing this first part of the letter, how bad the human race is, the Jew would have been thinking, yeah, they are, but we're not. So that's why Paul starts out in chapter 2, and he says, by the way, you're just as bad as they are. Now, imagine the shock that that might have caused in the life of a Jew who is classifying himself as being okay with God simply because of his nationality, simply because of of the religion that he was part of, you know, Judaism or whatever, and saying, I know I'm okay with God. Yes, Paul, all the rest of the world's terrible. But then Paul turns around and says, guess what? You're as bad as they are. Now, how does that apply to us today? I I, I think you need to, to read into that. We do the same thing a lot of times. We classify ourselves as God's people, I attend church, do all these things for Jesus. If we're not careful, we'll get very self-righteous, very judgmental, looking at other people and condemn sin in other people's lives and not understand we need to be concerned about sin in our own lives also. 
the Jews not only had creation and conscience to tell them there was a God, the Jews had the Word of God. Not as we have it today, not the full Bible, but God had given them His Word in written form, His law. God had sent prophets to them to tell them His will. God had rescued them out of bondage, took them into a promised land that He promised to give them. He had performed many, many miracles for the Jews to where they had abundant evidence beyond just creation and conscious that God was real because they had seen so much, read so much, knew so much about God. Which really means this, they are more accountable than people that just have creation and conscience. Let, let me illustrate it like this. If you know somebody, in other words, you know someone when you see them. You don't know anything about them, but you just know, well, all right, that's Bill, for instance, you know. If your name's Bill, I'm not trying to talk about you. I'm just pulling a name out of the air, you know. And if you know somebody by the name of Bill, but you don't know a lot about him, when you see him, you know it's Bill. But since you don't know a lot about him, you're not accountable to know Bill was sick last week, or it's Bill's birthday, or it's Bill's anniversary, or know where Bill works at, or know his favorite hobbies, or anything like that. Because all you kindly know is there's a guy by the name of Bill, okay? On the other hand, if you are someone that knows Bill, and you've known him for a long time, and you know his birthday, and when he's married, and where he works at, and, and, you know, and you talk to him enough to know that he's sick, and he's revealed a lot of stuff to you about himself then you're a little bit more accountable to respond to Bill in a different way than someone that just says, oh, that's Bill. You understand what I'm saying? So, so that's kind of a picture of the Jews. They were more accountable than the lost world that Paul had just written about because they had been given a lot of evidence that there really is a God. And that applies to us today. You know, if the Jews were more accountable, think about us. Yes, we have creation, and we have our conscience to let us know there's a God. But we also have a full revelation of God in His Word. And we live in a time when the Messiah that the Jews had talked about has arrived already, and He went to a cross, and He shed His blood on the cross for our sins, and He took His life back up on the third day, and He's risen, and He sat down at the right hand of God the Father. We're pretty accountable ourselves, aren't we? See, it's easy for us to say, look how bad the lost world is. God, you get them. Guess what? We've got more accountability and more light that's been given us by God as believers today or people who classify themselves as Christians in the world. And we need to understand that just because we classify ourselves a certain way doesn't mean that God will wink at our sin. It doesn't mean that we're not accountable before God. And that's really what Paul is doing in this in this section of Scripture. He's telling the Jews they need to set up and take notice. And if the Jews needed to set up and take notice, we, in this day and time, who are Christians, we need to set up and take notice because of all the privileges we have of knowing God and understanding God's will. If you're a Christian, you don't have any excuse to kindly say, well, I know I'm going to heaven, but besides that, God, I just don't know what you want. I don't know what your will is. I'm not sure what's right and wrong, so I'm just going to kind of live day to day. You see, if you're a Christian, you don't have that as an excuse because God gives you a guidebook. He, he tells us what His will is. And we can't afford just to classify ourselves as Christians and think God's going to wink at our sin because God is an impartial God. So that's what we're going to be be talking about today God is impartial even though we classify ourselves in a certain way there's three three main truths in uh, in Romans chapter 2 that I want us to to try and cover and and that's 29 verses and you guys that know me very well if I've just told you we're covering 29 verses you're thinking you should have brought supper I understand that uh, on it, but uh, you know, there's three big truths that we need to grab, and, and and I may have to hit highlights on a lot of it. But but I think God wanted whoever's reading this letter to grab the three big things uh, that that we're going to try and look at today, and we'll look at some other other stuff with it. Here's the the first big truth concerning God, the way He judges us. He don't judge us by our own classification. Is what I'm I'm wanting you to understand. First one is this, judgment is according to God's truth. 
not our classification, not our self-classification, not our view of ourselves, not our opinion of ourselves. Judgment is based upon God's truth, His Word. It's not based upon how I feel about myself, my opinion of myself, your opinion of yourself. It's based upon what His Word says. Look at what He says here in in verse 1 through 5, and then I will break these down a little bit. You therefore, and he's turning around right into to the Jew, or for us you might say a religious person, a very religious moralizer, a person that's kind of basing how right he is with God based upon his performance, how moral he is. There would have been those in Rome receiving this letter, maybe some Jews who were there in the church in Rome who had come to Christ, but they're still wrestling on this stuff of the law and having to obey the law. There would have been maybe some very religious people there in the church of Rome that Paul's writing to that could be receiving this. And, and Paul's trying to get their attention. It's not just the, the lost world that's messed up. He's letting us know that we've got accountability before God too. You therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point, you judge the other, talking about the other person, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, now here's the, the main thought I want you to get in these verses. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on, on truth. It's not our opinion. It's not we classify ourselves, I'm a Jew, or I'm a Christian, or I'm a church member. God judges us based upon truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? So, and then he goes on and says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. What's God's standard of of judgment it is not our opinion of ourselves but sometimes people delude themselves into believing that's the case there, there are some false standards of, of judgment that i want us to talk about then we'll talk about the the real standard of judgment but there's some false standards of judgment that fall underneath this category man self-classification we classify ourselves a certain way and we think that means god has to treat us the way we view ourselves instead of it being based upon god's truth here's the first False classification. Religious classification. That's where the Jew would have been. He looked at the Jews and said, You therefore have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else. The, the Jew would have considered themselves very, very religious. There are people today who view themselves very, very religious, and if they're not careful, they're going to convey this idea that they're right with God because they're so religious. Because they attend church so much, or they read the Bible so much. Or they call themselves a Baptist, or they call themselves a Methodist, or they call themselves a Pentecostal, or they call themselves a Jew, whatever the classification is. He says, you therefore have no excuse. These very religious people, as I said a moment ago, would have said, yeah, Paul, go get those dirty, filthy Gentiles. Look at all the sin that they have committed. And then Paul says, you're guilty of the same thing. Man, that must have shocked them. You know why it should have shocked them a whole lot? Because of some of the things that Paul wrote. I mean, he said they, they don't want to know God's truth. They don't want to acknowledge there is a God. And because of that, they rebelled against God. And he even mentions homosexual sin there. Can you imagine being a very religious Jew and all of a sudden Paul says, you're just as bad as they are? And read the list that Paul had just given. You see, a self-righteous person tends to do what the Bible tells us in Luke. Remember the story of the publican and the Pharisee? The publican was over here, and he's kind of afraid to even look toward God because he knows he's a sinner, and he's very humble, and he's hardly even willing to look toward God and look toward heaven while he talks to God and prays. And he just kind of says, God, forgive me, I'm a, I'm a sinner. But there's someone that's a very religious person, like the Jews, or like a religious moralizer today, that's also standing there, this Pharisee, and the Pharisee is standing there, and he more or less says this, God, pridefully, God, he's not humble before God, bound on his face, God, I'm glad I'm not like this person. I'm glad I'm not as bad as this publican. You see, that's what we tend to do a lot of times. We'll classify ourselves as being religious. 
And we'll think because we're religious, we'll compare ourselves against other people, and we'll think because we classify ourselves as being religious, that means God will not judge us for sin. Now, I want to please remember this all through today's message. Paul is not writing in this passage of Scripture about how to be saved. He's not got there yet. He's already told us in chapter 1 that the, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to both the Jew and the Gentile. He's already told us that. But in chapter 2, he's writing to us about God's criteria for judgment. He's writing to us about us being sinners. He's not saying, this is how you're, you're saved. And a lot of people will just be religious people, self-righteous people, and they'll look down on other people and they'll think they're okay because of some kind of status they are claiming for themselves. And yet the Bible said they're guilty of doing the same things that the ones they're looking down upon are doing. God's judgment is not based upon things like hearsay or gossip or our own good opinions, or our own valuations of ourselves, or how religiously we clarify ourselves, we classify ourselves to be. That is not the basis of God's judgment. His judgment is according to truth that we'll talk about in just a moment. So the first way people classify themselves and try to make themselves think they're all right with God is this. I'm really religious. And that's what the Jews were doing. And Paul writes, you're just as messed up as the rest of the world. Someone that views themselves, classifies themselves as very religious, here's their problem. They're hypocrites. Look at the next, next slide. Like, if you're viewing yourself religiously and better than other people, whether you realize it or not, you also have classified yourself as a hypocrite. Paul writes, for at whatever point you judge the other, you're condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Think about this. If you judge somebody else, the Bible says that you're also condemning yourself. Here's how that works. If I have the knowledge of something being right and wrong to the degree that I can call it wrong in somebody else's life, that means I also have the knowledge of it being wrong and I'll apply it to my own life. The very fact that you can say, look, that's wrong, God says that's a sin, doesn't get you off the hook just because you see it in somebody else's life. That also means that you yourself are accountable of the truth that that's wrong, that that is a sin. And if we just condemn it and judge it in somebody else's life and we don't do it in our own life, that's what the Bible calls being a hypocrite. It's, it's us looking down on other people while we ourselves are practicing the exact same thing. By us judging it in somebody else's life, we prove that we have the capacity to understand right and wrong, but instead of us using it in our own life, we just want to apply it towards someone else. And the Bible says that is hypocritical for us to do that. You ever heard someone say something like this, we hate our own faults, especially in the lives of others? You might not have heard it said, but you've heard people act like that. I hate my own faults, but I really hate it when I see it in the life of somebody else. You know why we tend to do that? Because it gives us a way to vent self-righteousness instead of correct our own lives. And when we hate our faults in somebody else's life, in a way, in kind of a sick way, I'm afraid we kind of do this. I'm, see, I'm not that bad. Look, they're doing it. They, you know, they're doing it, so I'm not really that bad. And we try to make ourselves feel better about ourselves but if we're pointing out something is completely wrong judging other people of practicing things that are wrong doesn't get us off the hook he said in verse 3 this so when you a mere man pass judgment on them and yet do the same things do you think you'll escape god's judgment if we just judge somebody else and think there i've done that and yet we're doing it do we think we're off the hook see jesus said this Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. But people who are self-righteous, people who, who, who think that their status, the way they classify themselves, makes them all right to God. I'm so religious, God will never judge me. And yet they all the time go around and judge other people. Here's the problem we have. It's hard to see the sin in somebody else's life. It's hard to get a speck out of their life when we're not applying God's Word to our own life and we've got this log sticking out of our eye. I, you know, I, I used that as an illustration one time before when I went to the eye doctor. If I went to the eye doctor and I had a piece of sand stuck on my eyeball, I, and I would not have wanted to have gone to an eye doctor that had a log sticking out trying to say, let me help you with this little speck that you have. The, the lost world does not want self-righteous people saying, let me get this speck out of your life when they see a log sticking out of our face. Because we're classifying ourselves as being righteous and okay before God. But the truth is, we're being very hypocritical. Because we're putting other people down and judging other people for the exact same thing that we are guilty of ourselves. There's also a misunderstood classification here that Paul talks about because a lot of people do this. The Jew was bad to do it. Religious, very religious people are bad to do it. We're still bad to do it in our day and time. We will misunderstand God's goodness. We will misunderstand why God is, is treating us well. And that causes us to classify ourselves as being untouchable. God loves me so much. Just look how He's blessed my life. God loves me so much, surely He won't judge me for any sin. Look at what Paul writes here. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward what? What's the word? Repentance. Why do we need to repent? Because we've got what? Sin. Something wrong. The, the way the Jews, a lot of times, would take God's goodness to them, they would say, look, that's evident. God's treating us so well. That's evident that we're His special people. The way a very religious, moral person today, he'll do the same thing. He'll say, look, God's so good to me. He's blessed me so much. That's evidence that God loves me and He will not judge me. So instead of repenting of their sin, they will kind of harden their heart and just go on in their sin. When God's goodness wasn't necessarily His approval, it wasn't God saying, oh, how good you are. It could be God saying, look, I'm being good to you, but I'm doing it trying to lead you to repent. Trying to lead you to understand that you need me instead of yourself in your own righteousness. Don't classify yourself as being okay because God gives you a job. Don't classify yourself being okay with God and right and beyond any judgment whatsoever because you attend a church. That's what religious people do. That's what the Jews were guilty of doing a lot. They, they, were, they were misunderstanding completely the reason God was being good to them. And we need to be careful that we don't do that. I've actually heard someone say before that, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sure God will never send me to hell because He's just so good to me. I, I'm sure God will never judge me is what they're saying because I've got all this evidence that God loves me. He's given me a job. He's given me a wife. I've got a lot of money. You know, things are going well in my life. He, the, I've got, it's so, God's so good to me, there's no way He'll judge me because He loves me too much. Can I ask you something? Did God the Father love God the Son? Did He? That's a safe one to answer, isn't it? Have you read in the Bible what God the Son went through on the cross for our sin? And you're going to delude yourself into believing God loves you so much that He will never judge you for sin when God put His Son through what He went through on the cross for our sin. And you think, oh, I've got all this evidence that God loves me. He'll listen. If God put His Son on the cross because of sin, don't delude yourself into believing God will not judge you because of some sin in your life. Because He loved His Son. You might say He loves you, and I hope He does. I know He loves us. He sent His Son. I hope you know that. I hope you love Him back. 
But don't classify yourself in such a way to where you think, I can get off scot-free and live however I want to in my life. I think that's a huge problem in our culture today. For Christians to act like God's just a loving God, and He'll never ever judge me for anything. Uh, this past week, I don't know if you were listening to the news or not, uh, the president, uh, CEO of Chick-fil-A, uh, came out and um, said that he was in favor of traditional biblical marriage. And uh, you do that in this world in, in, that we live in today, and there are certain elements in this world that are going to hate you for that. And uh, as soon as he made that comment, it started getting out on the news wires and, and things like that. He wasn't putting anybody down. He wasn't saying, I hate gays or anything like that when he made the comment. He simply said that he was in favor of traditional biblical marriage, which is a man and a woman is what the Bible says. An actor uh, from the Office series on TV heard about it, got upset about it, and tweeted out that we are going to boycott Chick-fil-A. Now, when I heard that hit the news and they were telling me that on the news, it made me want to go eat at Chick-fil-A the next day. Uh, I went to eat at Chick-fil-A the next day. Uh, my wife went to eat there. We were there together. We met her parents over there. We ate at Chick-fil-A the next day, the very next day after all this hit the news and everything. And we were there right about 12 o'clock. And I had to drive around the parking lot three times to find a parking place. And I was on a motorcycle, and I finally parked on the side street. So Hollywood, it looked like you heard them bad, okay? I mean, it was just full of people. So, I mentioned that in my Facebook. Um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be as controversial in my Facebook sometimes, but I did. And got a response from someone that doesn't come here at all that said uh, this, said, My Lord never judges anyone. He is so humble and loving. You need to meet him to, to me. I probably need to know him better. All of us probably do, because so we can know him better. But see, that's a picture of where our culture is and where church culture is today. My Lord never judges anyone. Will you give me a Bible for that? I see Jesus, the Lamb of God, the loving, tender Lamb of God, who died on the cross for our sins, that through His amazing grace we might have everlasting life. I see in the Bible, in Revelation, He's coming back one day, and when He's coming back, He's, he's not necessarily happy when He comes back. He, he's coming back, it says, to tread out the winepress of the wrath of God upon this. Yes, He's our Savior, but He's also our judge. And, and, and I guess if, if you get any message from this morning, because it's hard to cover all these verses, if you get any message out of this this morning, don't classify yourself and think because of your self-classification, God will not judge you for your sin. If you're a Christian, can I tell you something? God will not condemn you. He will not condemn you to hell because of your sin, because that can't happen. He will not do that. He promises he'll not do that. But don't tell me just because you classify yourself as a righteous person, you can live any way you want to live, and it's all right with God, and he's going to wink at it, and he will not judge you because of you classifying yourself a certain way. I probably ought to stop there, but I won't. <laughs> the true standard of judgment is God's truth. It's not your opinion, it's not my opinion, it's not how we classify ourselves, it's not how we feel about ourselves. The Bible says we know that God's judgment against those who do such things, the, the sins and everything that Paul just written about, who do such things is based on what? Not my opinion, not your opinion, not the opinion of Hollywood, not someone that tweets about it and they're upset because someone made a stand on a biblical principle. The standard of truth is God's Word. The standard of judgment is what God says, not how you and I or anybody else feels about it. 
not how we classify ourselves. That's not the standard of God's judgment. Instead, it is His truth. He looked at the Jews who He probably shocked, and He said, you're as bad as the rest of the world. You don't have any excuse. You're just as bad as the rest of them. And the Jews would have two excuses that we still see present in our culture today. Excuse number one is this. I'm better than others, so I don't need Christ. A lot of people think that. I'm such a good person, I don't really need Jesus. I'm a good moral person, so God will let me into heaven, is what some people think. The Jews were trying to base their righteousness and their rightness with God upon how good they thought they could be. Second main excuse we see a lot in our culture is also this. God's been so good to me. I just dealt with it a minute ago. God's been so good to me, He will certainly never, ever, ever judge me or condemn me. Verse in Proverbs I want you to see before we move on. Proverbs says this. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? A man that thinks he's got it figured out? A man that thinks he knows more? than even God or what the Bible has to say or what anybody else can tell him. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than him. That's what the Bible says. Don't classify yourself and think because of how you view yourself. God's just going to wink at your sin because God's standard of judgment is not how you view yourself or how you classify yourself. It's His Word. It's His truth. Judgment is also this. Judgment is according to individual deeds, to an individual's deeds, instead of their own classification. Instead of a person saying, well, I'm a Jew, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Southern Baptist, I'm a church member, I'm a good person. Instead of someone classifying themselves like that and think because of that classification they placed upon their own lives that they're okay, they need to understand something. God will not judge them based upon their own classification. Instead, God's going to look at their life and their deeds and view their deeds you can't hide your deeds by saying i'm a jew i'm a christian i i'm 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 a baptist i'm a church member that doesn't hide your deeds from god that doesn't make god impartial toward you to where he will not judge you whatsoever let's look at romans uh, 6 and following god will give to every person according to what he's done to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory honor and immortality He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. In those verses, God's not talking about like individual rare occasions. The way that's phrased in the Greek, the tense in the Greek, God's looking at people as though it's the the whole drift of their life, the way, the manner that, that they live their life. God is not teaching in that verse. Paul is not saying that you earn your salvation by good works. I, want, I can't say this enough because people mess this up all the time when they read Romans 2. He's not saying you be good enough and you get to go to heaven. He'll clearly tell us in the next chapter how many have sinned, all have sinned. How many fall short of God's righteousness, all fall short of God's righteousness. He's already told us in chapter 1 the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to salvation. Not our works. He's not talking about salvation here. He's writing still about judgment. He's writing about us being sinners before God. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 12, no one does good. There's not any of us that's good. No one can do good by ourselves. The only capacity I have to do good is God doing it through me, and that means I have to have a relationship with Christ to begin with. Jesus defined a relationship with God like this. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Salvation is not in earning it. Salvation is in Jesus. He goes on. The next verse. He says, There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Next one. Go ahead, Lynn. Next one. And then verse 11, this is the main, the main thought I want you to get out of these verses. God does not show favoritism. God is an impartial God. Just because the Jews thought they were special did not mean that God would wink at their sin. Just because we might view ourselves as special 
in this day and time does not mean that God would just wink and ignore the fact that there is sin in your life. God is not a respecter of persons. I want you to notice that, and then we're going to notice in just a moment that God judges all mankind fairly. But He is not a respecter of persons. He does not show favoritism. Look at verse 6, and it says each person. Look at verse 9, and it says every human being. Look at verse 10, and see the word everyone. Look at verse 12, and you see the phrase all who sin. In all of those phrases, that's showing us that God is an impartial God. That God judges everyone for their sin, and He will not just ignore our sin no matter how we try to classify ourselves. Paul's statement is, is, is addressing the mindset that people had, the Jews had, or self-righteous people had still yet today, that their religious heritage guarantees them into heaven. How does that apply to us? My dad was a preacher. My dad was a deacon. My mom took me to church all the time. My grandma, I remember my grandma reading the Bible and praying and, and, and all this stuff all the time. So surely because of that heritage that I have, God will not look at my sin and God let me into heaven. See, that's the way we translate it into our culture today. The Jew would have thought, I'm a Jew. I'm circumcised. I'm part of God's people. I'm special. Look at my religious heritage that I have. So God won't judge me because of that. The truth of the matter is this. God is not looking at your classification, how you view yourself. He's looking at your deeds. And He is not an impartial God. He's not going to overlook what you are doing just because of who you claim to be. For you and I as Christians, if you know Christ is your Savior, you know what? That doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life. We've not all arrived yet. We still wrestle with sin. We still have the flesh that we have to deal with. Don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to tell you that God will judge you and send you to hell. If you're a Christian, He will not. He promises He will not. But He neither tells us, He does not tell us, that because you're a Christian, there's no judgment from God. I'm not talking about condemnation for eternity, that there's no judgment from God because of your sin. The Bible tells us in Hebrews if God doesn't chasten us, we're what? Illegitimate, you'd like to say. Some of you don't want to say what it really says. I love my children. My children were my children as they were growing up. And, 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 but just because they were my children did not mean that I would not ever, what, chastise them when they did wrong. We live in a world today, and even in a church culture today, where people have the attitude of the lady that I mentioned earlier, who said, my God is so loving, my Lord is so loving, He doesn't judge anybody. I'm sorry. God still judges sin in our lives not to condemn you but he'll chasten us as believers don't delude yourself into thinking just because you classify yourself a certain way that he will show you favoritism having christian parents attending a christian school attending church having ancestors that were saved does not guarantee that you're right with god notice that god judges all mankind fairly Next, uh, next slide, Liam. Next one, please. God judges all mankind fairly. Look at verse 12 and 15. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when the Gentiles, these that the Jews would have looked down upon, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. There's that conscious thing again we talked about in chapter 1. God writes His law upon our hearts, upon our conscience. Their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts now accusing or even defending them. See, the reason Paul brings this up, there would be people who, as Paul is talking about God judging sin, would have said something like this. Is it really fair for God to judge everybody alike? Is it right for Him to judge the Gentiles and for Him to judge the Jews? Because the Jews have this special privilege of having the Word. 
They've got the Bible. They, they, you know, God has called them and taught to them, and they're special people. So is it right for God to judge the world like that? Paul's response is this. We are accountable for the light that we have. The lost world has the creation and conscience. They might not have had the, the Bible to begin with, the Gentile world to start with, but in their creation, in their conscience, they were given light from God that there is a God. The Jews, on the other hand, as I mentioned earlier, have creation, conscience, and the Word of God, so they're even more accountable. The point that Paul is making is this. God judges us based upon the light that we have, not based upon the light that we don't have. There's a quote by uh, a theologian, uh, Dr. Roy Lauren, that says this, It's most evident from Scripture that men will be judged according to the knowledge of God which they possess and never according to any higher standard that they do not possess. God is impartial, but at the same time, God judges mankind fairly. Whether it's a Jew or whether it's a Gentile, He doesn't judge us based upon the status that we think we have of ourselves. The Jews had the Bible, but they refused to do it. It's not the hearers of it that are right before God. It's the doers of it. You know what our problem is? None of us can do it. Back in the Old Testament when the, the law was given and Moses was uh, you know, conveying to the children of Israel what God expected, and you've got over here the you know Israel over here on this mountain kind of singing back to Moses, oh, thank God for all that. We're going to do all of it. We're God's people. We'll obey all of it. It was more or less what they were saying. I don't think that was the response necessarily that, that God wants from the law. The law was never written for, to save us. The law was always written, and we'll see it later in Romans, to show us how messed up we are and how much we need God's grace. It's not about you and I trying to earn our way to heaven. Yeah, the Jews had it, but they didn't obey it. And the Gentiles, they didn't have the law, but they had it in creation and conscience. God's moral law written upon their heart. They're all accountable before God. And God judges all mankind fairly, not based upon how we, how we classify ourselves. Let's go to, go to the next one, Lynn, to slide three. Keep going. I'm sorry. Judgment. The last thing I want you to get this morning is this. There's three big things that I hope you'll walk away with a picture of. The first one is this. Judgment is based upon God's truth, not how you view yourself, not how you classify yourself, but God's truth. Second big thing is this, and, I, and I, we're covering a lot of verses, and it's really impossible to break it all down like we need to, but I really felt like God wanted you to get these three big principles. The, the second big thing is this. Judgment is according to our deeds, not who we say we are or, or, or our classification of ourselves. God judges us, not for salvation. We're not saved by our deeds, but He judges us by our deeds. We're saved by grace, not by works, because we boast about that. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Judgment, ultimately, though, is based upon the gospel of Christ and not religious activity. Verse 16 says this. This will take place. He's talking about God judging people for their deeds. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my what? Gospel declares. The, the main standard of judgment one day will not be, I went to church. I was a Jew. I claimed to be a Baptist. I claimed to be a church member. I, I was even a Southern Baptist. So God, because I was a Southern Baptist, you got to let me into heaven. The, the main criteria for judgment one day, for final judgment, is not how we classify ourselves or view ourselves. It will be this. What have you and I done with Jesus Christ? Ultimately, that's the main question. What have I done with Jesus? What have you done with the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, here's the gospel. I want you to be sure you understand the gospel. Some people think the gospel is this. The gospel is God became man as Jesus, and he was nailed to a cross, and they put him in a tomb, and he took his life back up, and he's coming again. That's not the gospel. You know why that's not the gospel? Because the word gospel means good news. You understand that? 
It is not necessarily good news for me that Jesus was nailed to a cross, buried, and took his life back up. You see, that's not a full picture of the gospel. Here's the gospel. God became man. He did go to a cross and die for my sins and for your sins. That's the gospel. That's why it's good news. It's not good news that Jesus just suffered and died and took his life back up. But when I understand he died for me in my place, and his blood paid for my sins, and through faith in him, I have belief that I can live forever because he took his life back up and he lives forever. That's the gospel. And that's the ultimate criteria for judgment one day. It's not how you classify yourself or how you view yourself or all your religious activity. Let me go through this quickly, and, and then we'll come to, to a close in time. The gospel that I just mentioned a moment ago, it's good news, right? Good news? Aren't you glad there's a gospel? Isn't that good news for you? It's good news, though, only if you know Christ as your Savior. Do you understand the same thing that is good news is terrible news for people that don't know Him? Also, this will take place. A day of judgment will take place. There will be a day of judgment. And if people don't know Christ as their Savior, they have no hope whatsoever. Next slide, Lynn. A lot of people have false confidence in being right with God in their religious status. That's where the Jews were and in their activity. Look at what's said in these verses. Now, if you... If you call your, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, I think Paul's saying it don't matter what you call yourself, it matters what you really are. Just because you call yourself something. If you call yourself a Jew, and if you rely, look what they were relying upon, where their faith was. If you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know His will and approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, if you're convinced that you're a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have the embodiment of knowledge and the truth, talking about the Word of God, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? We've got this hypocrisy thing going on again. You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? See, the Jew, and the reason Paul's writing this whole chapter, a very religious person like a Jew in our day and time, they're relying upon their own works. They're relying upon the status that they think they have. They're relying upon maybe how much they know or how much they can teach others. And they're relying upon the wrong thing. Because all of us are sinners. The Jews who were saying, don't do this, a lot of times they were doing this. We're all sinners. Our only hope is the gospel of Jesus. Next slide. Jesus said this, Woe to you, teachers of the law, the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. See, just making a convert, unless you're making a convert to Christ, does nothing. I don't need to make converts to myself. You want to know why? I'm a sinner. I'm lost without hope, without Jesus. The only converse we need to win are converse to Christ, and yet the Jews approached it in a way as though, come be like us. Come be religious like we are. And the problem with that approach is what it does to our culture. In verse 24, here's what Paul writes. As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You know what the tragic impact upon culture is of self-righteous religious people it makes the world want to vomit <laughs> the, the Jews were saying we're God's people we're special we're the Jews all the rest of mankind the Gentiles they're just like dogs before God and they would come across as holier than thou we're good and everybody else isn't And yet at the same time they're saying that, the ones that they are saying are not good 
or watching the lives of the Jews and seeing some of the Jews do the exact same things that they're doing. And it made the Gentiles want to blaspheme God because of the way God's people were living. How does that happen for us today? When we are self-righteous and we're good little Christians and we condemn all the rest of the world and while we're condemning and putting down everybody else, we're doing some of the same things in our life. And the lost world looks at the church and they look at Christians and see the sin that we practice as we condemn them and put them down. And the the tragic results of it is this. Instead of wanting to believe in the God that we believe in, they want to blaspheme Him and say, if that's all God is, if that's all Jesus does for somebody, I don't want it. And, and that's rampant in our culture today. The church, if we're not careful, conveys when lost people show up that we're okay. And we're better than the world. And we're better than you. And you can have a lost person show up in some church services and never come back because they feel like they don't fit in. Because they attended a service where there are a lot of fake people acting like they're all right. That's why we need to be transparent, guys. That's why we need to be honest. I've told some things every now and then, you know, about me getting angry at people in traffic and everything else. I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. That's who I am. I I think it was Todd one time coming up afterwards, and he said, I'm glad you do that because that doesn't happen a lot of places. And, And you see, we need to be careful of that because we can hurt the going forth of the gospel if we act like... We classify ourselves as good little people and everybody else is terrible and then we're living the same kind of life they lived. One last thought and then we'll close. Relying upon external rituals versus really having a transformation spiritually in your life. See, it's it's the gospel of Jesus that saves you, not you being religious. The, the ritual that Paul mentions here is circumcision. He says circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you become as, as though you've not been circumcised. And if those, who've not, and if those who are not circumcised keep the, the law's requirements, they're regarded by God as though they were circumcised. The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you. He's he's telling the Jews, the Gentiles that you look down on, one day will judge you because guess what? They're living up to it and you're just dependent upon a ritual. You can read the rest of the uh, verses later. I'm not going to take time to read the verses. I just want you to get the, the gist of what he's saying because some of you are probably thinking, you're going to close the service talking about circumcision? See, the circumcision was this. Circumcision was commanded by God. It was commanded to be a mark in the flesh of the Hebrew male to show that they were in a covenant relationship with God. You know what it morphed into? What it changed into is this. The Jew started thinking because, simply because, he went through this ritual, simply because he had this mark in his flesh, simply because he had this kind of, Outward display, this mark, that man, he was all right with God. Let me give you a problem with that theology. That means the women would be left out, wouldn't it? If circumcision was necessary for salvation, the point Paul is making is this don't rely on a ritual. Don't think you're okay because you practice a ritual, because you've got some outward display of religion. I mean, to to make that realer for us today, it, it might be this. Don't imagine because you wear a cross around your neck, because you've got this outward mark. Or because you show up at church and carry a a 50-pound Bible and wearing a $1,000 suit. Don't make yourself think that means you're okay with God because you're going through the motions and you've got this outward display of ritual in your life. 
Because God is not going to base his judgment on whether or not you're circumcised, whether or not you've got a cross around your neck, whether or not you're carrying a 50-pound Bible, whether or not you're wearing a Hart Schaffner and Mark suit. I just aged myself. Some of you have never heard of a Hart Schaffner and Mark suit. God's not going to judge you based upon that. Not final judgment. Final judgment is based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is going to spend pretty much the rest of this letter talking about. But here in the first section of this letter, he, he's talking about sin because he wants us to clearly understand that we're sinners and we're messed up. Jesus said this. Jesus said, you must be born again. He didn't say you must be circumcised. He didn't say you, you must uh, obey the law and work your way to heaven he didn't say you have to be a jew he, he didn't say you have you know that you classify yourself a certain way he didn't say because god's been good to you that means you're going to heaven because you have money and a job and things like that that's not what jesus said jesus told nicodemus who was a very 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 religious person that he had to be born again that happens by us agreeing with god admitting that we're sinners as God says, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And understanding our only hope is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that is the power of salvation, Paul said in Romans chapter 1. To the Jew and to the Gentile. That's our only hope. God will not judge you based upon your opinion of yourself. He will not judge you upon some self-classification that you give yourself, some title. He will judge you based upon His truth. He will judge you based upon His deeds. And He will judge you based upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. All this stuff about condemnation and judgment and everything, it's kind of heavy. So let me give you something right before I pray and, and the band plays and, and, and we have this time of, in, time of decision. We we call it Romans chapter 8 Paul said this jump on down to the to the last one Lee. keep going therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Whew. aren't you glad Condemnation means being condemned for your sin forever, separated from God forever. It doesn't mean God will not chasten you or judge you for sin in your life. Don't buy into this thing that's being put out there like the lady said. My Lord is so loving, He never judges anybody, He's so humble. The Bible says if you belong to Him, He will chasten you if you're His. It's not okay for us to say we're Christians. Go to day three on Sunday and then live like the devil the rest of the week and expect him not to judge sin in your life. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, if there's someone here today that's been relying upon the wrong thing, if there's someone here today that's been trusting in, in their own opinion of their selves rather than your truth, God, if there's someone here today that, that's been ignoring their deeds and, and, and thinking it's okay to do whatever they want because you're such a loving God, God, help them to see that's not reality, that's not the truth, that's not what you tell us in your word. God, there's someone here today that's been dependent upon an outward show of religion like the Jews did circumcision. Father, there's someone here that's dependent upon attending church. God, help us to understand that our only hope is the gospel of Jesus. Our only hope is 
is having our hearts circumcised, our, our hearts changed by the gospel. It's not about an outward show or ritual of religion. So, Father, today, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ, please, please speak to them. Help them to see that they're a sinner, like we all are sinners, and, and their only hope is Jesus. Help those of us that are believers, God, to, to live in ways that glorify you and honor you. Forgive us when we try and act like it's okay to live outside of your will because we know you as our Savior. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.